Good morning. I'm a musician, and I have to have a stand, so. (laughs) Uh, Our reading this morning comes from the second book of Corinthians, uh, 4, 7 through 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but we're not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us to bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word our Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you remain standing, if you would, and turn to Revelation, chapter 2. Revelation, chapter 2. We're continuing our study of the book of Revelation this morning and looking especially to Jesus' letter to the church in Smyrna. So we're in Revelation, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Jesus writes, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt, by the second death, the very word of God. Uh, Thank you, God. Please be seated. Please be seated. 
It was a year of our Lord, 156, not 1560, 156, halfway through the second century after Jesus' resurrection. And there was an 86-year-old man who was standing in the midst of flames. They asked him uh, if they could bind his hands, and he said, there's no need to bind my hands. And he stood there as his body was consumed by the flames. Who was this guy? Unusual name for our modern ears. His name was Polycarp. Was Polycarp. And 70 years before, he had been discipled by John the Apostle, the man who Jesus used to bring that word I just read to you. Seventy years before, he, just being a youth, was led by his youth director, who himself was 80 years old at that time, to come to trust Jesus Christ even in the midst of incredible difficulties. And he learned his lesson well. He learned his lesson. Well, God honored that young man. And that young man became a pastor in a little house church in, guess what, Smyrna in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And God blessed that little house church, and it multiplied. And, and soon much of Asia Minor, much of modern-day Turkey had come to know Jesus Christ. And, and this youth who sat at the feet of, of John the Apostle uh, became the bishop of the entire area and discipled many. I would say names, you might not recognize them, names like Irenaeus, great stalwarts of the faith, great men and women who, who um, passed on that faith to others. But where where was that faith forged, you know? I'd like to think it was forged in a fluorescent lit room, right, with a whiteboard, right? But the reality is that faith was forged in the midst of trouble, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of incredible persecution. And it begs the question for me, at least, what would my response be? If I faced even, even a hundredth of what Polycarp faced, could I stand? Could I stand in the midst of the flames and declare as we just did in worship, you are my God. I will worship you even in the midst of the flames. Pray again with me one more time, would you? Oh, Jesus, thank you that you are real to us. You speak truth to us. And as much as we'd like to think that, that if we just entrust our life to you, that everything will work out wonderful and we will never experience hardship, we would never experience poverty, we would never experience suffering, God, your word says something different. When we choose to follow you, we set ourselves apart from the world around us and the world does not respond well to followers of Jesus. So God, I, I pray in the myriad ways that we are suffering, some with illness today, even as we gather here, some of our own family are struggling with illness.
even more, God, struggling with the loneliness that comes from being separated from their loved ones. Oh, my gosh. Lord, I, I'm, I just broke for Mary and many like her who are completely isolated from their families in their time of need. And many who, who wonder, are you real? Are you worthy, God, of me putting my trust? I, I just invite you, make yourself known to us today, would you? Take these simple words on a page and make them words of life. And then, God, we will rejoice. We will rejoice when you prove yourself faithful to us again. Oh, we love you, God. We open our hearts to your word. I pray the, way, the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, what do we do? Well, I, I again, want to confess to you that um, physically I've known maybe one day of suffering my entire life. Emotionally, I've, I mean, of, of the magnitude that we're talking about here, I've known less than five days of my life. Spiritually, probably the same. I, I don't know. I've not experienced the things of which John wrote, the things of which Jesus speaks in his word. But I hear in his word today that that suffering is coming. I hear in his words today something that's contrary to a gospel that many of us have longed to adopt here, a gospel of, of prosperity and a gospel of, of uh, a promise that, that no evil will befall us, right? Those gospels are out there, but they're not, they're not the gospel of the Lord. This this passage from Revelation joins with a whole book written to the Hebrews. A book that said this, this world has suffering for those who put their faith in Christ. And the author of the book of Hebrews added his or her voice to the, to the author of, of, of 1 and 2 Peter. Who, who Peter cries out in the midst of a difficult world. You're going to experience suffering. Prepare yourself, right? Prepare yourself. Countless other places in Scripture, countless other people in Scripture who testified that following Jesus does not mean that you will escape suffering. In fact, very likely means that you'll experience it. So how do we prepare? How can we, living in, in, uh, in an age where we, among all people who have ever lived, are uniquely blessed, how can we prepare for a suffering which, which the word of God says is to come. There's just in these brief verses, there's some powerful clues and invitations to us. Let me suggest that the, the first one is, is focus on what you know, right? I can't tell you how many times when I've been in counseling relationships with, with people who are going through great tribulation and, and they say, I just don't know anymore what to do. I don't know what to think. I don't know how to believe. Focus in those times on what you do know, right? 
Don't focus on what you don't know. Focus on what you do know. And, and in this brief passage, there's several things that we're invited to know, right? First of all, know Christ. And I use, I use that word know in all the fullness that we have come to understand. Amen? From Scripture. It is not just an intellectual salute. It is not just a, a yeah, yeah, I'll say those words. It is an experience. It is a, a, an immersion into the life of Christ. Know Christ and, and right here in our passage, he reminds us of, of powerful truths, right? The words of the first and the last. Well, there's so much going on here, but let me just highlight two things real quickly. When he says, when Jesus says, I am the first and the last. Now, he said in another place, I am the Alpha and the Omega, meaning the same thing. But here he's, he uses proton. He uses the first and the last. He's saying I am God. The only one ever to use those words was the living God. Jesus is identifying himself as God who is worthy of our worship. The words of, of him who is the first and the last. And then secondly, now keep in mind, people facing their own death. People facing their own death. He says, the one who died and who rose from the dead, right? In other words, the one who's gone before the very things you are experiencing. Know Christ. He was there before the beginning. He will be there in the end. He has experienced everything that challenges you now, and he, as he'll invite us at the end of this passage, he has overcome, know Christ, first of all. But secondly, know that he, that Christ knows you, right? That Christ knows you. And, and he uses three concepts right here in this, this passage to tell you how much he knows. I know, he says, your tribulation. I know your tribulation. The, the Greek word that's used there for tribulation is, is a word that describes intense pressure. Intense pressure, right? I don't know if you've ever um, been in that situation. Many of us have experienced that, that heaviness on our chest. Many of us, I'm not talking about like a heart attack. I'm talking about um, the weight of our circumstances that we experience physically. Many others of us have, have experienced that intense pressure that comes from knowing that you don't fit in with the world around you, that you don't belong to the world around you. And, and, and the pressures that you face are physical, emotional, and, and spiritual. Jesus says, I know, I know that tribulation. Do you remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The weight of the world sins of the world, past, present, and future, was upon him so much so that, that the scripture tells us that he sweat, but he sweat drops of blood, right? Jesus says, I know. I know your tribulation. I know the pressures that you're under. He says, secondly, I know your poverty. 
And I, I know that that includes the, the financial struggles that people had, wondering uh, where their lodging would come from, where their, where their food would come from. I, I know that it includes that kind of poverty. But there's a poverty, isn't there? Um, much greater than financial poverty. There's a, there's a poverty of spirit when you can't go on. You can't see around the next corner and you don't have the physical, emotional, or spiritual strength to continue. And Jesus says, I know that. I know that he is the one, right? Who quoted Psalms and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? He's the one who watched as his followers suffered greatly because of their trust in him. He knows poverty of soul, right? But he knows also in the midst of that, the persecution. The word, I think, in the ESV was slander. But, it, but it's, really, it's really the word blasphemy. Is I know the blasphemies that are said about you. Now, how, how in the world could something that's said about you or me be blasphemy, right? Because blasphemy, we know that word as, as speaking against the Holy Spirit, against something that is true for God, right? You can only blaspheme the Holy Spirit, can't you? Well, what happens, beloved, when you trust in Jesus Christ, right? The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. And when people speak evil of you, when people speak things that are not true of you, they're speaking things that are not true of God, right? Jesus says, I know those things. Boy, he does, right? He was accused of everything under the sun. He was accused of being Satan himself, right? Know that Christ knows you. He knows the pressure. He knows the poverty. He knows the persecution that you are experiencing. But know also, even in the midst of that financial and emotional and spiritual poverty, that you, you above all people, are rich, right? It's so ironic. Jesus says to them, I know your poverty. But then he, right then he says, but you are rich. You have no idea. Why, why could he say that? Because they had Christ. Because they put their trust in him. They were wealthy beyond any of the peers around them, right? They had everything that they needed. Christ had given them everything they need to know, sisters and brothers, know how wealthy you are. And know where your wealth is. It's not in this world. Your wealth, your treasure is stored up for you in heaven. It'll be so much fun as we, as we continue our study into the new year even of the book of Revelation when we get to see how this plays out. But right up front, when you're in the midst of the storm, when you're in the midst of the struggle, Jesus says, know how truly blessed you are, right? And lastly, Jesus says, know that your suffering is temporary. 
I, again, I've shared with you, I've not suffered like many of you right here in this room. Many of you watching on, on TV with us today, I've not suffered in that way. But in my brief experiences of suffering, I know that it seemed to encompass everything I could see or understand. I know that it was, it seemed overwhelming. And Jesus says, I know that it seems overwhelming to you, but I want you to know that this is temporary. This is temporary. It will not last. And there's something powerful that happens when you put your trust in God who says this suffering will not last. And he's going to put it, and we'll see in a moment, in stark contrast to other suffering. He says, he said to the people of Smyrna, um, your suffering is temporary. And it's still, it still is to come. Uh, when Kristen asked me, what do you want to title this thing? I, I, I changed what I planned to title this, right? I changed it and said, and said, and said, for those who will suffer, right? I know your suffering right now is real, but, but there is more to come, Jesus said. But Jesus has gone before you, even in the midst of that suffering. He wants you to know it will be temporary. So I love the passage that Miranda read for us just a few moments ago. We have this treasure in jars of clay, right? That the greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. The Apostle Paul said, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed. We don't understand what's going on around us, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, yes, but never forsaken, right? The Apostle Paul says, you can stand in the midst of the suffering. Know that your suffering will not last. Lastly, I just want to invite you, Jesus is inviting you to know that, that your reward is eternal. The suffering that you're undergoing will not last. The suffering that is to come will be temporary. But your reward is the crown of life. Your reward no one can ever take away. Your reward will last forever. So, so when you don't know what is next, focus on what you do know. You do know Christ. You've put your trust in him. You know that Christ knows you. You know that, that you have true wealth. You know that your suffering is temporary, but your reward is eternal. But what do we do? What do we do in the midst of that? Two quick things. I think they, they're very memorable. In fact, I'm going to ask you to repeat them after me. Say this. Be fearless. Would you say that? No free lunch for you guys at home. Say it out loud in your living rooms. Be fearless. Right? And be faithful. Be fearless, Jesus says. Do not be afraid. If you have walked with us for very long, you know that, 
that he says that constantly. 365 times he says that. But most of the time, it's not in the face of such insurmountable difficulties, right? And, and, and Jesus speaks to us in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our persecution, in the midst of our struggle, and says, do not fear what you're about to suffer, right? Do not fear. Well, easier said than done, right? But remember, this is the one who's gone before us. This is the one who walks among the lampstands. Thank you, Chad, a couple weeks ago, right? This is, this is the one who will never leave you or forsake you. The reason we can live without fear is because someone much greater than our fears is with us. But that one also charges us, be faithful. Be faithful. And he, he says something very strong here. And it's a strong word for us modern followers of Jesus, especially. Be faithful unto death, right? Be faithful unto death. Wait a second, Pastor Dave. When, when they asked me to pray that prayer when I was 13, they never said anything about being faithful unto death. And my great fear for us, especially in the North American church, is that we will minimize the call of discipleship, right? But you remember, many of you have it on your wrist right now, Luke 9, 23 and 24, right? Where Jesus charges us, count the cost. Count the cost of this, right? Um, understand that, that it may cost you your very life to follow Jesus. But what will you gain, right? What will you gain? You gain eternal life. So Jesus says, be faithful in the midst of the struggle. What does that look like? All of scripture describes a life of faithfulness, but, but one place in particular makes, puts it so succinctly that, that um, I want to invite you to turn there. The Apostle Paul, who actually had uh, 30 years before John even wrote these words to the church at Smyrna, um, gosh, um, 90 years before Polycarp stood amidst the flames. The Apostle Paul was imprisoned in, in uh, Ephesus and he wrote a letter to the church uh, at Rome where he hoped ultimately and would ultimately go. And in one of the most beautiful passages in that entire book, in, in Romans chapter 12, he begins with a very familiar uh, encouragement. I, I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Don't be conformed to the world, he says in verse 2 of chapter 12. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But Pastor Dave, what do I do? What do I do? It sounds so beautiful, that language. But what do I do? Down a few verses later, he gets very practical. Verses 9 through 21, he gets very practical. But let me just give you a taste of those words beginning in chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice, Paul says, in hope. Rejoice in hope. Isn't that interesting? You're not there yet. The suffering may last for a season. You may be in the midst of it. 
but it will not last. As you put your hope in Jesus, you're putting your hope in his words, and he's saying to you, the suffering will not last. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. It's such a small scale, comparatively. I'm not, but, but, but we're in the midst, right, of a pestilence. We are in the midst of a, of a situation where it seems like there's no end, amen? And, and, and I don't even mean to try and compare this to what Polycarp experienced or what we will experience. Should God grant that we live till the last day, right? But, but I know how I long for it to be over. I know how I long for this COVID crisis to be over. And, and Jesus says, rejoice in that hope. It will be over one day. And your suffering will be over one day. Rejoice in hope, he says. Be patient. Do you remember uh, Chad challenging us three times in the first letter he wrote to the, the, the church at Ephesus? He said, you need patient endurance. You need patient endurance. Be patient in the midst of the pressure. Same word. Flipsis, um, tribulation, pressure. Be patient in the midst of that intense pressure. And be constant, he says, in prayer. What can I do? No matter whether you're in a, in a nursing home right now, far from our church family, far from those you love, whether you're like my sister is isolated in these, in these different places around the country, far from civilization, far from hope, um, you can pray. You can talk to God. Be constant, Paul says, in prayer. And above all, above all, stand firm for what you believe. I was hanging around a bunch of um, uh, younger, well, Emily and Forrest friends last evening as we were doing the rehearsal and preparing for this glorious day of celebration today. And, um, and just seeing those, those youngsters, just seeing those young men and women, knowing that they had no idea um, what they will face. Oh, my heart, my heart just longed for them to understand this. With Christ, with Christ, no matter what you face, you can stand. Amen? You can stand firm. Worship team, come on up if you would. The Apostle Paul had another letter to his beloved friends at Philippi. I said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection, Philippians 3.10. I want to know the sweet, sweet fellowship that comes from sharing in his suffering. There is a koinonia, beloved. There is a fellowship that happens among believers when we share together in Christ's sufferings and when we stand in the midst of it. So my, my challenge to you is, what will you do? Do you clearly hear me? There is suffering to come for those who will identify with Jesus Christ. Jesus promised in this world, you will have, and he used the same word, tribulation, right? But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
My question is not, will suffering come, beloved? But what will you do? Will you stand in the midst of the flames? Will you stand in the midst of suffering? Will you, will you stand and declare, no matter what happens to me, God, I'm going to trust and believe that you are enough. I'm going to believe, Jesus, that the power that you give will give me the strength to endure. And I'm going to believe that one day, one day I will see with my own eyes what now I've only been able to rejoice in with hope. Is there anyone, is there anyone here or at home who would be able to say today to the best of your abilities, yeah, I will stand with you, Jesus, no matter what comes my way. Is there anyone you would symbolize that by standing where you are. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we, we confess that we have no idea what the future holds. But we know that you're more than enough. And, and though we may be together or we may be scattered like the church of Smyrna to the four winds, we're going to believe that, that your grace is enough for us. Jesus, that you can give us the strength, no matter what the world throws at us, to be faithful and to stand, receive this worship now as a down payment, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
are your people. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul unto you surrendered all I am is yours. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul unto you surrendered all I am is yours. So we stand with arms high and abandoned in love. The one who gave it all. I stand my soul unto you surrendered all I am is yours. from one of our missionaries in southern France. And today he was crying out, um, pray. Pray for the Christians in Algeria, right? Because all the things that we've been talking about today are happening around the world, right? People are suffering. People are being martyred. And, and it's not that Algeria is particularly unique, right? It's just Algeria is playing out what will happen for those who put their trust in Christ, uh, Jake and Hannah asked in particular, since, since, since we left our former denomination, they shut down the churches in Algeria, and the believers have had to be um, worshiping in secret, in, in hiding, but the church continues, right? God is being faithful. And I don't know, beloved, what you will face, Lord willing, Lord willing, um, we will be able to uh, just proclaim his glory in freedom. But if the testimony of the rest of the world is true, then someday you may face that same decision that Polycarp had to face. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you have the choice of denying Christ or of standing in the midst of the flames? God bless you. God bless you richly as you stand for Jesus Christ. He will never abandon you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship and communion of his Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. In just a moment, Carol will release you and we invite you to make your way through the foyer and uh, down to the lower uh, foyer and we will look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.